You are about to enter a new dimension of experience. You will venture to a place beyond imagination, where both space and time deform into grotesque realities. To a bizarre universe where fantasy and nightmare challenge your sanity. Here, only the strong survive. Welcome to the show, Thursday, uh, check, 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 Thursday, December 30th, 2021, 3.06 p.m., live on entrybfm.com, uh, Chelsea's here, hi, Um, what are we talking about today? Uh, okay. Um, first thing on the docket, uh, something I saw on Reddit recently, um, is just a linking to the Wikipedia article about Hunter Gatherer, um, uh, I don't know what you even call it. Hunter-gatherer lifestyle is, I guess, what it's called here. It says in the article that the nomadic hunter-gatherer phase of humanity makes up over 90% of homo sapien human history and that uh, civilization and recorded history have existed for a tiny fraction of the time that our species has existed. Um... I talked about this a little bit on the Kings of King of Queens with my brother recently. Um, and this kind of dovetails with a lot of stuff we talked about on this show. Um, specifically like the whole purpose-driven life type stuff. Um, you know, I wonder a lot where the where the hole comes from in us that, that we seem to need to fill with um, a purpose. And, um, I feel like, I think it's pretty obvious. Uh, this is, this, this piece of information is not something that I had ever heard before. Um, I think that's a thing that no, would that is not talked about hardly at all. Um, which is the, um, the percentage of time or like looking at a human history as a pie chart and considering how much of that pie chart is actually, modern civilization um this really not talked about at all um and if if you know ancient history is is talked about at all it it always feels like it was um a very long time in the past and it's um but that which we consider human history um um which is to say recorded human history is only uh, represents a very small fraction of the time that we have existed on the planet. Uh, 
and um, I think that's relevant because uh, this all this talk about purpose in life is kind of spoken about in a very nebulous way and without any um, thought really given to where it comes from. And I think um, that hole that we're all trying to fill is left there by, um, you know, modernization of our society, basically. Um, our brains are, we're like only a few thousand years removed from hunter-gatherer uh, culture being the norm. And so since the vast majority of human existence is based on that uh, type of survival, our brains have evolved specifically to exist in that type of framework. Um, and now we've completely changed the environment without changing our minds at all. And this has left us uh, listless and purposeless uh, because, um, uh, you know, all of our existence was uh, centered around basically our survival. And now we've... Uh, systematically reduced all the threats on our survival and now we don't know what the fuck to do with ourselves so what do you think about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah we definitely have made things a little too easy for ourselves so now it's a little boring but now uh, we have all kinds of other stupid problems that we've created well right that's what i think that's where a lot of the, the self-created problems of humanity come from um it's uh it's just our mind trying to occupy itself um i don't think that i i'm not necessarily advocating for any sort of return to um past ways i you know um i definitely uh think that modernization of society and existence has uh exponential benefits for human beings and or has the potential exponential benefits for human beings and all living uh, beings on the planet and the planet itself uh, because with the advancements of technology uh, you know greater conversation conservation can be achieved um, so it's not like oh we've gone too far but but we've gone too far without also tending to our minds and realizing that uh, uh, the effects of evolutionary psychology, and um, it's it goes hand in hand with this idea of treating our mind like like the enemy, also because our the bra- the way that our brains work seem at a mismatch with the with the world that we've created, which they are one hundred percent. And instead of you know being like, oh, maybe there's a reason for that, and therefore a more holistic way to approach quote-unquote mental illness it's these these impulses are wrong and need to be uh curbed and you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. um this loss of perspective contributes directly to this uh, idea of um the mind being the enemy Mm -hmm. um i have this other article here about um the moral case for long-term thinking. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's a, like a research paper, I guess. Uh, the moral case for long-term thinking, written by Hillary Graves, William McCaskill, and Elliot Thornley. Um, and it basically just talks about like 
our tendency to only think in terms of the short term um, and how that's not really beneficial long term. Mm -hmm. It's really it's kind of a paper that seems like a lot of obvious things, mm -hmm. obvious observations. Um, it's not to downplay uh, the research at all that they've done here, but um, I think a lot of this, you know, just like a lot of the the uh, actual solutions to problems, it seems fairly obvious. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of talking about the same thing where it's like uh, we're we still think in short term because that's how you think in. Well, they don't say this. I'm making a connection here between <laughs> this article and, and this other stuff. But, uh, uh, you know, the short-term thinking feels indicative of nomadic hunter-gatherer lifestyle, right? Where you're, you're dealing with reality in a very immediate sense. Um, and you don't really have the luxury to look into the future, or even the motivation to do so, you know, very, very far in the future. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, I'm, I'll link to it on um, my website after the show, and you can read, and y'all can read through it if, if you so desire. Um, but it talks about a term called long termism. Oh my goodness. And, hey, I mean, it's just, a, it's a fairly, uh, seems like a fairly obvious argument, you know, like we need to prepare for the future is basically all that it's saying. Yeah. And the the benefits of uh, planning for the long term are much greater than planning for the short term. Uh, we can, we only, we only really consider the short term because it's more immediately within, within our grasp and predictable. Uh, but we have to uh, kind of elevate our thinking a little bit. But that's like a, that's a hard one because there's so many like areas in life where that's you know good but it could also be harmful because there's this like thinking in the future is like creating anxiety for ourselves but thinking short term is well this this article also is, yeah th go ahead i'm sorry finish no. your... go ahead. this article is speaking kind of in a like macro panic. sense in terms of we as collectively people we collectively as human beings need to be thinking more long term, mm -hmm. uh, not just individuals. Obviously, a person's, well, not obviously necessarily, but a, a person's individual life is based more in the short term, yes. But if we're going to connect ourselves in a grand society, gotcha. then it behooves us uh, as a whole to consider the long term effects of how we treat each other and the environment. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is not really about individual people's lives, gotcha. but this is about society as a whole. And, and making uh, meaningful progress. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know. I just thought that whole hunter-gatherer thing was really interesting because I never knew that piece of information. Um, but it makes a lot of sense, and I think it would help us a lot to actively acknowledge how closely we are to our ancestors, if you will. Um, and... Uh, you know, it's, and also try and acknowledge that we're not as advanced as we think we are. Um, in a lot of ways, I think modern human society is less advanced than it was a few thousand years ago. Um, yes, of course, uh, 
human society in the past relied more on the ex- exploitation of human lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not like people in the past were like like smarter all around, obviously. Um, but uh, there was more confidence in, I think, the ingenuity of the human mind and our ability to... I mean, you know, like that's why, like... People are obsessed with the pyramids and like, oh, how the fuck could humans have figured out how to make these things? And it's like, well, we're just too far away from that time. Like back then, if there's no technology, no computers, and you're you're living in a world where as far as you can tell, your mind is the superior force in the entire world, Mm -hmm. then there's like nothing that you can not do. Obviously. Again, I'm saying obviously so much. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the pyramids were built on the backs of slaves, which is not cool, right? But the thing to harness is that that ideal that the human mind is like the most powerful force in the world. Plus, let's not fuck each other over needlessly. You put those things together, and then you know you can use technology to advance human society without exploiting human bodies. Mm-hmm. Um. All that ancient alien stuff is racist, by the way. Like, I, I, I've, I've heard this proposed, and I, you know, it's not. I don't. I wouldn't say it's like, uh, like a blanket thing. Like all people who think that aliens were involved with the pyramids are racist, but um, it makes sense that to some degree there is some racial component to the idea that ancient Africans were not smart enough to build pyramids on their own. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so that's something to consider as well. That's ridiculous. Um, yeah, but we're, it's only like, we're only like, you know, 20,000 years or so removed from like ancient Rome. Oh, well. Something like that. Mm-hmm. I should probably look that up. I'm basing that on, um some anecdotal information here but um yeah it's like uh, based on the idea that or based on the um assumption of the theory that um the first humans appeared 200,000 years ago and ancient roman greece which was complex was there thousands of years ago so roughly 180,000 years through thousands of generation life remained unchanged for a lot of people right so like Mm -hmm. The known existence of humans is 200,000 years, and there's a very small fraction of that. Like, 10% of that time is spent within, like, advanced societies, mm-hmm. which is, you know what I'm saying? Like, so it's like we're not, I know we're talking hundreds of thousands of years here, but 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 that's really not that much time, you know? It's really not as much time as we think. Uh, we're not we're not so different from our uh, from what we consider savages, you know. It's uh it's like disingenuous to consider our an- ancestors savages, but it's also disingenuous to consider us not anything near savages, mm-hmm. um, you know. So that has to be tended to as we also try to like advance our society. Yeah. Uh. I guess let's take a little break. Um, Alright, we'll be right back after this. Enter the Cosmic Portal. 
You are listening to I'm Not Yelling with Kyle Wall, live on EntropyFM.com. With me this week, again, is my lovely wife, Chelsea. Say hi. Oh, wait, you're muted. There you go. Sorry. Hi. <laughs> um, hold on one sec. Uh, all right, so... Uh, I had some technical difficulties and things right before the start of the show that really fucked up my headspace. Um, so, gonna try again here <laughs> and refocus. Um, <sighs> okay. Hmm. <laughs> what, baby? Nothing. Uh, Okay, so gonna I get phone lines open right now. Uh, testing the ringer. There it is. Um, all right, phone lines are open if you wanna uh, call in. If you're listening live and wanna call in and talk about um, our current topic, um, which is basically a history of human civilization. Um. In uh, sort of macro terms, five one two five two two four six four six. Um, so again, just to restate the 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 little piece of information that we're kind of working off here, uh, that um, the nomadic hunter gatherer phase of humanity makes up over ninety percent. Of Homo sapien history. And um, we're talking about that and and the implications therein. Um, as I what as I previous as we were saying in the last segment, as I was saying, I think that that accounts for the kind of disillusionment and um, um, uh, lack of purpose that that we feel. As human beings, I mean, you know, speaking in general statements, I really can only speak to American culture, you know, I don't, you know, and how it uh, treats human beings. So just make that clear when I'm making these generalizations, I'm speaking from this one specific perspective uh, as an American, as a United States citizen and, um, you know, living within that culture. Um but yeah, there was uh, what? Well, uh, let's see. Um, I'm losing my train of thought a little. Huh? Were you asking about what I was talking? Well, about? Well, yeah, yeah. Just go ahead and share what the thing that you were telling me uh, during the break. Okay. Yeah. So there was um, this post on Instagram, um, and it's it was funny. It said when I realized <laughs> that 89% of the caloric intake. You know, from hunter-gathering came from the gathering by the women, and the 11% came from the caloric intake of the meat that the men hunted. Mm-hmm. And, and guys were tripping about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it just... I think people for you know... Forget. 
Well, I don't think that's... I would assume that that statistic is not meant as a uh, push for, like, like as a fully, like, feminist statement where no, it's like, no, no. oh, well, see, like, women were more important to the society than men, yada, yada. That's what men are reacting against yeah, that, because that's they what take it as it a as. threat um, where it's like, well, well, no, the point is that everything is is necessary, right? The, the reason that the majority of uh, the diet within that, in that, um, social structure is, is provided for by hunter, by the gathering mm-hmm. is just by th- the fact that there was more to be gathered than, than there is to be hunted and gathering is less of, um, um, you know, takes less, um, is less, ex- uh, strenuous, yeah. if you will. Right. Um, there's less meat present because it takes more effort to get meat, mm-hmm. right? And um, so that's that's another one of those little like um, reasons to try and approach all these issues with a certain amount of nuance. Yeah. Uh, we get locked into this this binary type of thinking where it's right. You just if you just look at those numbers. Well, eighty-nine percent versus eleven percent. Mm-hmm. Just those numbers can, you know, obviously you can um, jump to conclusions from that if you're just looking at those percentages isolated from all other variables. But you have to consider that in the context of the lifestyle and effort exerted therein to to um, hunt and or gather. Yeah. Uh, so, like, when all factors are taken into account, it basically all evens out the workload effectively. Exactly. Um, and uh, so another thing that was interesting here in the uh, in the Wikipedia article about hunter-gatherer. Um, let's see. Uh, hunter-gatherer societies stand in contrast to the more sedentary agricultural societies which rely mainly on cultivating crops and raising domesticated animals for food production although the boundaries between the two ways of living are not completely distinct um just the use of the word sedentary was interesting to me um because i was thinking about how um so if if human beings for most of their existence, uh, were not set in one place for extended periods of time, for for multitudes of generations as they are now. That's gonna that I would think would have the natural effect of 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 fostering a more closer relationship between human beings and their environment, mm-hmm. and I think would have the additional effect of putting. Of, of of putting one's own life in perspective of the world, right? I think um, one of one of the negatives of of sedentary existence is is sort of like the echo chamber effect in one's mind, right? Once you start setting up a little kingdom for yourself, and that kind of becomes your world then all the little problems therein are effectively magnified right Mm -hmm. and 
you end up if in a place where you naturally um, put your desires, uh, you prioritize them over anyone outside of your little kingdom, mm-hmm. right? Because your kingdom is your whole world. But if you're moving throughout the world on a consistent basis, then you feel less ownership of one small piece of it and recognize yourself more as part of an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, that right there feels like one of the like uh, most more obvious um, inception points for all the problems of modern society, right? Because like that's like, you start you start uh, having a more sedentary existence and that naturally would kind of lead to like what we see now with like nationalism and like fascism and like shit like that right mm-hmm. because like because you lose perspective you're looking at the world from a very limited perspective you see and those things that are right in front of you and affect you directly are more important than anything else there in the world you know and um it just has this deteriorative effect on our minds um and ultimately leads to us being less connected right if you stay in one place then you're less connected from those things around you Mm -hmm. so then what do you do what do you how do you address it like you just do you just not advance society do you just like bomb us back to the stone age like no i don't think that's because obviously we got to this place from there so it's not like going back to that would solve anything Right, it's just a, the there has to be attending to the mind as well as the environment. As we change the environment, we have to change our minds. We have to we have to adapt with it, and we I don't think human beings have been doing that effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, just like we're just all in a little rut, in a little rut, and 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 we have less confidence in our abilities. Um, to survive, like anything, right? So mm-hmm. then, you end up defending your little kingdom to the death because you see no other, like you, you don't see any other possibility for like your existence, your survival, or like for you to thrive. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I'm I'm getting a little rambly. I think I feel like, but. Um, I don't know. It's just interesting. It's just very interesting to me to consider um, how close we were to living uh, in such a way that we that most people now consider to be backwards or uncivilized. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and 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 how that affects our brains. You know. Yeah. Um. Every because the other thing is. Uh, I, you know, I've seen this stuff online about how uh, if you have ADD or ADHD, then you would have been like, uh, you know, perfectly suited for the hunter-gatherer nomadic lifestyle. Yeah. Right. And because that's how it developed. Right. We treat it as an anomaly now because for a brain to work in that way is is not. Uh, compatible with our with the way the world with the world that we've created yeah right a world that is sort of predicated on on like a a true sedentary lifestyle like truly like i feel like everything in american culture is trying to push us towards excuse excuse my sniffling i'm 
getting over some allergies. <laughs> um, uh, it's oh. okay. Uh, so what was I saying? Um, everything seems to be pushing is in the in this direction of like, uh, you go like. You know, like all advertising now about like spending time with your family is almost all oriented around watching television. Yeah. Or like leisure time is all about TV, all about screens. And it's like you go the whole, the lifestyle that it seems like, uh, you know, our culture wants us to have is you go to work, you come home, you stare at screens, you eat, you sleep, and you go back to work, right? Like that's all we're supposed to be doing. And... Uh, and, but we have, but we have, and we shouldn't, I don't, you know, that we shouldn't be living that way. Mm -hmm. First of all, uh, you know, I think leisure time obviously is beneficial to the human being to have time to reflect and and to expand their mind. Mm -hmm. Right. But like late is different than laziness. That's different than like a fully sedentary, like, just like, you're just like cattle basically. Right. Like you go to your job, you put in your hours and then you watch your TV screen and you eat your dinner and then you know what i mean like yeah. it's that's so bleh. yeah you know and we wonder why that our brains are like rebel right like against this that's uh, <laughs> i digress um but you know the 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 add the adhd thing is very interesting to me the fact that um there's there's this theory that that like neurotype if you will is that is that what you would call it that neuro a, a neurotype like people that have attention deficit problems yeah. it's like a neurotype i'm not a i'm not a yeah brain doctor <laughs> so I, don't, I don't know all the right terminology but it's interesting to me this theory that people with the with that neurotype people with attention deficit problems would actually thrive in a less advanced society which to me is evidence of this evolutionary psychology mm-hmm. where um brains adapted to a certain way of living a way of living that was the major that that um excuse me a way of living that constitutes the vast majority of our existence uh i'm losing my train of thought <laughs> so much today um yeah so we wonder why it's like it seems like an epidemic of attention deficit issues. Yeah, because pretty like, much you have any kind of symptom of that sort, and you're ADHD, and they're quick to be like. Well, right, and it's 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 very rampant mm-hmm. these days. Um, it's very popular topic on social media for people yeah. to gather around, and it's like, why? Why is this such an epidemic? epidemic of attention deficit issues like well there's a couple factors at play right there's the obvious factor which is our culture is constantly like trying to divide our attention right like uh, our attention is like the highest is uh, the thing that has its most value in 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 american capitalism these days Mm -hmm. right like attention is the currency that's how most businesses make money is just by getting people's eyeballs on things Mm -hmm. right advertising that's all it's about is pulling attention. So you got that factor. But I, I think more than that, I think a, a bigger contributing factor is the fact that that neurotype uh, 
probably was the dominant neurotype for the majority of human existence, given that the majority of human existence was spent within nomadic hunter-gatherer culture, right? So naturally then, the human beings that are still here, right? That's how evolution works, right? The ones who are still here are the ones who are best suited to survival then, right? We're their ancestors, right? Yeah. We wouldn't be here unless they were smart enough to live through those times and to adapt to them. So that's why it's an epidemic because we're the ones who are still here, right? Mm -hmm. And then you combine that with, so you have that part of evolution, right? But what we've, what we've removed from our evolution is the other part, which is the people who are ill-suited die, right? Mm -hmm. Because we've made life easier, naturally, as we should, as we should. We should, I think it is a good thing for human beings to work toward making life easier for everyone, mm -hmm. right? But since we have neglected our minds in that process, it allows for um, evolutionary outliers to exist still. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right? If you don't have that thing that kills off, kills off the stupid people, then eventually the ratio of stupid to smart people is going to tip in the stupid direction yeah. because it's scientifically proven that stupid people procreate more prodigiously. This is a known fact that stupid people have more babies. That's, um, that's true. And so, so then, what do you do? What? How do you? What, how do you deal with that? Right. Some people's answer to that is very drastic. It's it's and it's and it's and it's it's fucked up, right? It's mm -hmm. like that's where you get eugenics, basically, where it's like, well, then we need to specifically breed and limit the breeding of people that we deem stupid right but you can't tell a stupid person by looking at them right it, it, eugenics is this thing it's like this the skull shape thing isn't it mm -hmm. it's like oh you can tell people are smart or stupid based on their skull shape blah 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 it's, it's total quack science it doesn't mm -hmm. it's everyone every intelligent person knows this, this is bullshit right so the thing to do is not to try and prevent the creation of idiots because you can't do that effectively but yeah. what you can do is make everyone smarter right you do it the opposite direction you do it in the positive way right he's like oh before nature naturally killed off all the stupids so now we have to figure out a way to kill off all the stupids no wrong you flip it right you you make everyone smarter and then that's just you know what i'm saying it, it mm -hmm. solves itself that way and but of course um even though, technically speaking, it is to everyone's mutual benefit for everyone to be educated and intelligent and enlightened, right? Mm -hmm. It's actually like, like uh, there's still people right now who benefit from people being stupid. So until we like orient society in such a way that disincentivizes us from taking advantage of each other's innocence, basically... Mm -hmm. Um, we'll never actually be able to move in this proper direction where we can actually ensure our uh, our extended existence on this planet, you know? Yeah. Um, until we can't, we can't really engage in that long-termism mm -hmm. until we reorient society away from exploitation of each other. 
but there's too many people that that currently benefit from that exploitation and are too stupid to realize that something else could work better yeah you know yeah it's again it's that it's 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 a it's a hard thing because it's it's a it's like how could you have ever addressed this before mm-hmm. you know um and so in i have a hard time seeing how we collectively could have you know because this trajectory feels pretty natural from like mostly hunter gatherer to briefly civilized and 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 still really in the like very early stages of modernization of human beings yeah. you know it's like it's it would it's it, it's a natural part of it's like growing pains right like but we're at the nexus point now like we're un- uniquely positioned with our technology that we're connected enough and have access to enough information that we can that we actually can exert more collective influence on our own species mm-hmm. we just it, the message just has to be put out there that it can be done in the first place, you know? Yeah. Because um, uh, there's a lot of doom and gloom, right? It's This is a thing that's always frustrating to me and kind of, like, discouraging is, is people that just, that just are like, ah, humans are evil, we just need to become extinct. It's like, no, no, that's, no, don't you understand, though? That's, like, that's propaganda in service of, like, the people that benefit from the status quo. Exactly. They want you to be disillusioned. They want you to think that human beings are evil so that you won't do anything about it. Right? The banality banality of evil is that you know what I mean? Like evil yeah. is defined by banality. Um it's like I saw something online about like why do you think evil is always depicted as like cool or like sexy or like you know what I mean? Like that the it's because it's that's like some could th- that could be interpreted as like a specific tactic to distract people from what evil actually is, which yeah. is evil is actually really fucking boring. Evil is not sexy. Evil is not cool. Evil is not you know what I mean. Like yeah. true supervillains like are boring as all get out. Fucking <laughs> Bezos, right? Like these are the real supervillains. The people are actively exploiting human beings en masse for their own enrichment. That's evil. Yeah. Amazon is evil. Elon Musk is evil. Tesla is evil. Those things are evil, you know? Mm-hmm. Not leather-clad villains, you know, trying to steal a bunch of money from a bank. No, 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 no. The real villains are the ones who have been take who are stealing it piecemeal. Mm-hmm. Right, they figure out how to how to steal, how to take from you without you even realizing it. So don't re- you, you, we can't resign ourselves to this idea that human beings are just inherently evil and need to die out. Yeah, that you know what I mean. Like, I understand the argument, right? But to treat it as an inevitability is. It's just to do a disservice to yourself. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's see here. Uh, where, where are we at? We got 4 o'clock. It's 4.04 p.m. Central Time in Austin, Texas. Listening to I'm Not Yelling with Kyle Wall. Live on EntropyFM.com. Uh, should we take another break? 
I yeah. think I think it's break time. Yeah, definitely. We'll take another break, and when we get back, we'll we're gonna change topics a little bit. And oh, <laughs> golly, I'm really messing up today. All right, we'll be right back after this. You're listening to I'm Not Yelling with Kyle Wall, live on EntropyFM.com. With me is my wife, Chelsea. Hello. Hi, Chelsea. Uh, we've been talking about hunter-gatherer society and, the hum- and how that uh, affects the current human condition. Uh, phone lines are open if, you're, if anyone's listening and wants to talk about this 512-522-4646 um i guess the point of talking about this um the main the main takeaway is the whole like um is the pursuit of purpose and where that comes from within a human being i think uh that has kind of been weaponized against us by you know our capitalist consumer culture um in, as a, you know, a, just another way to sell us something, you know, self help, self help books, DVD series, etc. The the purpose driven life, yada yada, um, <clears throat> and <clears throat> I think that can have the effect of making people uh, to whom their purpose is unclear feel lesser, right? If you don't have a purpose or don't know what it is, then you're fucking up somehow. But, uh, you know, I think it's what's important about this information with regard to hunter-gatherer culture, our minds, and evolutionary psychology is when you're in that place, when you're in that disillusioned place, and you feel lost, and you feel like you don't have a purpose, and you wonder where that is, it's not your fault. It's not bad to not know what you're doing in the world Mm -hmm. because... Our purpose used to be very simple. Our purpose was to live, to survive, to perpetuate the species. We've removed all the difficulties that, from that process that would make living fulfilling. So it leaves us in an empty place, ultimately. And uh, while I think it is good to strive to have a purpose... Keep it in perspective that that concept of a purpose is fairly new and it's mostly used as a tool to sell us things and to make us feel bad and to make us to put us in a position where we're constantly striving for that constant moving goalpost. Mm-hmm. Right. To not get down on yourself if you feel lost, um, because that's pretty core to the human experience these days and very common. And the best thing to do is be honest with yourself about it. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with those around you. And so that we can, you know, connect over that. You know what I mean? And and talk about it. And, um, you know, just not, just not feel bad for something that is happening within us sort of without our control. Mm-hmm. You know? Um. Just trying to just trying to help you know, everyone keep life in perspective here, and remember that we're all trying to figure this shit out. Yeah. And the best thing that you can do 
is take care of yourself and each other. Yeah. <laughs> you know, comes back to that my the, the basic you know theme of the show is take take care of yourself and each other. And also, don't try to hold yourself to other people's standards either. You know, make sure mm-hmm. what you're doing is like for yourself because it, like it's really easy to compare yourself to people that mm-hmm. you think are like doing really well right but they have their problems too whether they show it or not mm-hmm. well yeah and that, ten- that can really discourage people too if they think other people oh are- for sure yeah i th- and I, I think that impulse in us to search for validation through external comparison is a thing that is also exacerbated by the way by the mismatch mm-hmm. right because imagine if you're living a nomadic hunter-gatherer lifestyle the thing that sh- t- the the thing that tells you that you are doing okay is just the mere fact that you're alive yeah so now we're just alive we don't really have to do much so it's like well ah, i gotta figure something else out i gotta fig- well how else do i know if i'm doing right yeah. So, oh, well, these people are doing that thing. I'm not doing that. And they seem to be happier than me. Yeah. No, it's, that's a, that's, it's not a wrong impulse, but it's, 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 uh, not helpful to put all your eggs in that basket. Yeah. Um, but again, this is, this is the importance of tending to the mind as we, as we also, um, per, um, tend to our environment because, uh, you know, it's all one. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's the importance of so as as the external um, indicators of uh, of uh, the external the exter- as the external validators are reduced, like the practical external validators are reduced, then then you ha- one must then go inward, you know, because the 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 external things that remain are not natural and um, exist primarily in our perception not in actual reality yeah and uh so ultimately the only thing that's real is what's inside you know what i mean mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah for sure makes sense mm-hmm. um all right let's see here we got we got some time left here 30 minutes or so um what do you think babe i'm, I'm sure we could keep mining this topic um, or we could pivot a little bit to a different topic for the end of the show here. Yeah. Um, I hope this has been enjoyable for people to listen to. Um, you know, I ultimately I always I, I tend to feel pretty rambly, mm-hmm. you know, and and because I'm speaking extempor- extemporaneously, it can be hard for me to like in the moment tell if what i'm saying makes Makes any sense sense or has any um validity or importance you know yeah um and i was a little off at the start of the show but and i hope i'm not repeating myself that's the other thing that's difficult about this you know like uh, the the hybrid between the live show and the podcast like on a live doing live radio it's kind of you kind of need to repeat certain things and mm-hmm. restate arguments but uh, but uh, that might be annoying to listen to on a podcast you know i don't know how you know it's it's hard to know how it strike the balance yeah but 
you know, it's still early days with this show. I'm still trying to. I'm still trying to figure out my purpose. You know, I don't know what the hell I'm doing out here. Yeah. You know. Same. I all I really know for sure is that I I want to help promote um, uh, greater introspection, basically, mm-hmm. and um, encourage people to question their surroundings, question their question the world as it's presented to them. And, you know, realize that a lot of what we're told is in service of some other goal. You know, most of the messages that we're fed by the world are in service of some other thing that someone else, someone's trying to get from Mm -hmm. us. You know, they're trying to tell us a story so they can sell us a product. All the way back to like school. Yeah. Textbooks. Yeah. For sure. <clears throat> right. In school, you're being sold the product of America, basically. Yeah. You know? If I would have known all this stuff, I would have hated America a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> but I was, you know, raised thinking that we were the heroes. And mm-hmm. Right. And it's funny that's a... the way they made every single bad case look like we were still good. Well, yeah, it's pretty much, except for slavery. It's a, it's a very sticky situation. This is a sticky issue, yeah. you know, because it stands to reason that the people that manage to get hold of power would then bend the narrative of history to their benefit. Mm-hmm. Um. I th- it's tough because it's tough to it's a tough subject to broach because even like liberals or leftists well not leftists so much but like liberals like democrats anyone uh, progressive mm-hmm. people who would ostensibly be labeled uh, by re- republicans or conservatives as anti-americans mm-hmm. Even they are pretty susceptible to the idea of American exceptionalism. Yeah. You know, um, that was a thing that it took me a while to dismantle, you know, mm-hmm. uh, through my um, progress through the political spectrum from being a rush baby to I don't even know what I would call myself now. I, I At this point in my life, I reject all labels. And mm-hmm. I think that is kind of imperative to true like progress towards enlightenment is a rejection of labels Mm -hmm. um but uh it's 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 a history the telling of history is a difficult subject because it bring it it it, um brings up this thing in in almost all people this like this defensivism of america where it's like well yeah but yeah 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 and it's it's because when you're on the other side of the American of the American exceptionalism argument, you automatically sound or are labeled as anti-American. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, well, why is it necessary to be pro or anti-American in the first place? I'm not really advocating for anti-American sentiment. I'm just advocating for, uh, what what would you even call it? Just, just. It's just some sort of like objectivism, yeah. With regard to history, just some, just I'm just advocating for us to be honest with ourselves yeah. about what we have done to each other and why. Mm-hmm. 
you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, because as far as I can tell, this this idea, this concept of the winners writing history only really has the effect of blinding us to our true capabilities. Mm-hmm. It's my theory. I'm sh- I <laughs> Okay, mm-hmm. so one thing that I worry about on the show is, is kind of being a Peggy Hill. Where I do that thing where I'm like, you know, in my opinion, now, in, my opinion. in my opinion, kindling is the best way to start a fire. Right? Well, duh. But, so I, it's hard, you know, maybe I'm being too hard on myself about falling into that. You're definitely um, not Peggy Hills at all. But um, one of my working theories, um, which I have not researched, so I'm sure there's there's things to this effect out there in the world. But one of my working theories is that the thing that allowed for the resurgence in fascism and nazism in america is this concept of the winners writing history right this whitewashing of our sins because it reinforces the sort of it reinforces like shit like manifest destiny or or like um moral high ground just because you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I'm the good guy because I'm the good guy type shit. Mm-hmm. And and then that has an effect of being like, well, if I'm the good guy, then nothing I do is bad because I'm good. Yep. Right? And so that allows for then this resurgence of something that we all had collectively labeled as bad to come back into fashion mm-hmm. because we didn't talk about why it was bad and we didn't talk we it was just like, "Oh, the Nazis, those Germans, you know, they're evil." It's like, "No." They're just people who live in a little drawn-on line called Germany, right? But they're just people. Mm-hmm. And so Nazism or extremism has to be examined in a, in a, in a non-regional-type like, way. Yeah. You know, it's this idea that bad, bad people are bad because they're bad people. I was like, no, bad people can become bad. Yeah. Any bad, any person can become bad. Mm-hmm. And why? Yeah, because people think all Nazis are Nazis out of hate. Right. They forget that um, they were terrified of Hitler. They, yeah. If they would have, you know, gone against him in any way, like... Well, right. There's a lot of people that were, yeah, that where fear was used or, mi- or misinformation, mm-hmm. right? Because... You know, the rise of Nazism is, is basically what happened to Germany is happening here in this country mm-hmm. right now, where it was, it seemed populist. It seemed like pro-Germany to be Nazi, right? Yeah. It seemed like we're yeah. trying to take care of our own here. Our own, yeah. Like but the way to... that we're taking care of our own is by killing a lot of Jews. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, hold, hold on a second. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, how many people in Germany... <clears throat> Like, what could they say, you know? Right. And then they're putting in a put in a group of, mm-hmm. like, hateful people when they're just fucking living there and had no control over well, the situation. Well, right, when, when in actuality, we should actually be taking a cue from Germany, who, after the fall of Hitler, basically systematically removed all evidence of Nazism from, like, public buildings and infrastructure Mm -hmm. you know there's bridges there that were built during nazi germany right but Mm -hmm. they scrubbed the swastikas off right what did we do after the civil war we put up more statues to racists and named streets after right 
uh, is that you're not seeing a disconnect there how how are the losers still being painted as the winners yeah um like i grew up like the amount of people that are like well i'm not okay well i guess slavery was bad but the confederacy wasn't all about blah blah mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah like mm-hmm. i like learned in texas history in like eighth grade that the people that I thought were good were the people that hated me, like yeah. my people. Yeah, yeah. The the reverence to the Confederacy is such a weird thing. That's something that I I would like I need to do a little more research and thinking on because it's it's a thing I don't totally grok. I don't totally get it, you know, like mm-hmm. because like like the whole argument of like, well, it was really about states' rights. Well, yeah, states', states rights, rights to have, to have slaves. slaves. What is why? What is the point of obfuscating the point of the Civil War? Yeah, it was about slavery. It yeah. was about slavery the whole time. Yeah, how can you make it about anything else? But what does it serve to say that it wasn't about that? Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm. It's that thing is still unclear in my mind a little bit. I know some people who are actually racist and are trying to push a racist agenda use those things to mask their intentions but there are also people who are just ignorant who aren't necessarily racist who think that that's an important distinction to make yeah right and that's the thing that i don't get it's like well if you're not racist why is it necessary then to to say that the civil war wasn't about slavery why is that important is it just is it just this deep-seated denial of like no i'm because because it's like you think that if if you're from the South and people say the South wanted slavery, then you're a racist. So then you have to make it seem like the South wasn't racist. Yeah. So that you're not racist. Instead but of you're just not like them. You didn't not being racist war. yourself. Yeah. You know how long ago the Civil War is? Yeah. Like, so then, then it just all the, the effect that it has then is anyone who says that the Civil War was just about states' rights ends up sounding racist. Yeah. No matter like, what. Why would you need to say that if you're trying to not seem racist? Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. It's it's mind-boggling. Like, just don't say anything. Yeah. Or, well, no, but do say something. Well, I meant, like, You know don't... what I mean? Like, acknowledge that the fact that it was about slavery, you know? Like, yeah. I meant, like, just not... Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah, justifying yeah, 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 yeah. it. Right, exactly. What's the point of justifying it if you're not trying to conceal your racism? Yeah. <laughs> it's like they don't know how racist it sounds. Yeah. And they're screaming that they're not racist. Yeah. But they are, though. But they are. But the thing are. is... Okay, so here's maybe an, another little part of it because I think I think there's a component of this where there I mean definitely this exists. People who are racist but don't believe they're racist because the views that they hold that make them racist, they actually to be, they actually true. believe to be part of nature. Mhm. It's like, no, it's not racist of me. I'm not racist for thinking that you as a black woman are inferior to me. That's just nature. Yeah, I've I've had people say that. Like, yeah. well, people have been discriminating against other people since the beginning of time. Blah, 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 blah. blah. So what? So that makes it okay. What the fuck does that even mean? That's such a facile argument. I hate when people are are like, we're meant, like. Yeah. We were born this essential to human existence to exploit each other. What? Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, no. Literally, no. Like... Yeah. And I can... Okay. So, I get 
how some people like you can be told something your whole life but like your family and I know it's hard to like consider that it might be wrong after hearing it for so long mm-hmm. being raised that way mm-hmm. but if people could just like acknowledge that the thing they think could possibly be wrong yeah like i've yeah, been wrong big, about things and yeah. what am i gonna do just keep arguing about it it's a big piece of the puzzle and that's a that that is a component of american exceptionalism is this sort of like willful ignorance this like prideful willful ignorance mm-hmm. like no i refuse to concede yeah. uh why i don't understand why yeah like why is it just too late like what do you think will happen if you right yeah exactly like everyone's gonna make fun of you. Mm-hmm. Well, right. That's the funny part about Some racist white people's deep. fear of white, like discrimination. They think that if black people are equal or minorities are equal, then that makes them the less, yeah, less important. It's yeah. like, how come everyone can't be important? Like, yeah, what are you losing? I don't, know. I don't know, baby. I don't know. Uh, our existence is just so fragile, though. You know. That again, it, it goes back to our brains. I think you know, in the hunter-gatherer nomadic thing, the fucking evolutionary psychology, right? If if you're focused on your survival and either gathering or hunting, mm-hmm. then you don't have time to like discriminate. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. It's not. Uh, Maybe that's disingenuous to say. I mean, you know, because, like, obviously, like, Native American tribes all had their own shit, right? There's tribes, mm-hmm. right? And they're still, like, fighting. Human yeah. beings still fight with each other. I don't know. But the, the, goal, the goal of modernizing society sh- should be to reduce the fighting, you would think. Not to treat the fighting as an essential part to our existence. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know, man. Don't it's know. dumb. Yeah, it is. Uh, something that I have pulled up here in this vein that's kind of funny. Um, there's this, uh, let's see. This is a really poorly written article. Uh, so bear with me. But um, Patricia Morgan, Rhode Island lawmaker who sponsored anti-critical race theory bill whines that black pal no longer likes her (laughs) so it's rhode Rhode island representative patricia morgan uh she sponsored this anti-critical race theory bill in rhode island i think um this is on news7h.com uh rhode island representative patricia morgan set twitter on fire tuesday when she released a brazen post claiming she had recently lost a black friend uh let's see inside tweet the republican lawmaker complained that her friend had become hostile and nasty to her simply because she was a white woman um no i think it's yeah i think it's the critical race theory thing um and then, and they they love to do this. Is that is that what our teachers and political leaders really want for our society? Divide us because of the color of our skin, right? I love that shit. That's so funny. They t- they turn it around. Oh, like the thing we've been saying yeah. for fucking ever. Right. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not racist for me to not like you because you're racist. Because racism is not an essential part of whiteness. <gasps> there's this. I feel like there's this. I this unexamined 
idea or association in a lot of people's minds, white people's minds, that racism is inherently part of whiteness. So to discriminate against me for being racist is to be racist against white people. How absurd is that? Um, let's see. Uh, these are some replies. Uh, critical race theory is about learning the actual history and why people have an advantage when it comes to white skin. None of my friends asked me to hate myself. That is not the problem. They want me to be aware slash learn and do what I can to help. That's someone replying to this uh, Patricia Morgan's tweet. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. In an interview with the Daily Beast... Uh, Morgan declined to name the close friend, but said they used to be very close until the friend stopped answering her calls and text. Um, Morgan said, I'm very sad that she no longer feels like a friend to me. Quote, I know that she has become a real proponent of racial identity politics, and I'm pretty sure that's the reason behind it. I'm sad that our country is going down that path. I think it's bad for our country. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, so where's she been the past? Well, she she's a representative of Rhode Island. She's been in Rhode Island. <laughs> uh, in like you know, I can't imagine that's a particularly racially diverse area, is it? I don't know anything about Rhode Island, but I don't know anything about Rhode Island either. All I know is it's um, In March, Morgan co-sponsored a bill in Rhode Island that would have banned. Teaching more than just critical race theory in public schools. Uh, Bill RIH6070, which was not passed in June, but is meant to prohibit teaching divisive concepts, as well as requiring any contract, grant, or training entered into by a state or city that includes the provision, prohibits divisive concepts, and prohibits making individuals feel distressed because of their race or gender. Uh, Morgan credits her support of the bill and bans bans the critical race theory as what cost her friendship. Despite the odd words in her tweet, she insists she has more than one black friend. (laughs) It's so so textbook. It's so classic. it's like she doesn't even like she doesn't even notice she's doing. Oh the look, things. guess what she guess who she brings up? Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King. White racist people love to talk about Martin Luther King. The FBI killed Martin Luther King. Yeah, he okay? fucking he died. He was assassinated by the FBI. Okay, so I don't want to hear his name in any white person's mouth. All right. Oh, he was nonviolent. Oh no 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 no. Go fuck yourself. Okay. Yeah, um, he was nonviolent and he fucking got assassinated. Yeah. We fought these battles against discrimination and against segregation for Martin Luther King's goal is that we, for Martin Luther King's goal is, oh, here we go. Oh, God. That we judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. (laughs) So that only applies to white people, basically. We have to not judge them by the color of their skin and by all the stuff they've done. You can't. But... But me, it, like it I can't. It says the content of your character, though. So, so I, the uh, complaint. Ah, it's so backwards. It's so stupid. It's, but so she doesn't. Her friend doesn't like her because the content of her character. Yeah, exactly. But she's saying that it's just because she's white. Yep. You, she thinks that's the only reason someone has a black person has to dislike <laughs> her is because she's white. Uh, let's see. 
I'll keep reading this. Um, critical race theory shuts down, shut down conversations about other reasons for disparities and other ways we can change those disparities. What other reasons? Critical race theory reduces everything down to racial. So it, but it is racial. That's yeah. the point of it. Is that it's. That's the point of the disparities. Is that they are racial. Ah, yeah. Everyone's fucking living in la la land. Yeah. You know. After I, after that that clip I played the other day about how the they systematically dis, uh, dis deindustrialized black cities. Mm-hmm. Right. Like so, what. Why? Why was that done for any other reason than to disadvantage black people? If if there's only deindustrialization in black areas, specifically in the seventies, and nowhere else, what? Why other reason? What other reason could it have been done for then, except to disadvantage to keep black people poor? doesn't make any goddamn sense no. this is the funniest i'm gonna jump we're almost out of time here so i'm gonna jump down to the to the bottom the funniest part of this um <laughs> quote i pretty much know that she's black but that doesn't matter because i like her i still like her <gasps> how stupid is this woman she just she said let she those just words come out she of just her said mouth? she just said the quiet part loud she's she just said she likes this woman in spite of her blackness. I I, I don't know, man. Would she say that about a white woman? You don't get that much more. No, obviously she wouldn't. I can't. You, you can't get much more stupid than that, folks. I, yeah. I tell you. Um. Even though she's black, she's I still like her. That's what the kids used to tell me in school. Yeah. When I was right. younger and I went to an all-white school, they're like, right. but it's okay to be friends with you. You're one of the good ones. You're one of the good ones, yeah. Which, is into, to, which implies that all black people are inferior. Yeah. And, like, I should have taken it as a compliment. Yeah. What they thought. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, and sorry. The attention and acceptance of white people is the highest compliment that a black mm-hmm. person could ever receive. Yeah, and I really felt that way too because I was young. Yeah, well, yeah, it's very easy to feel that way, especially um, in the environment that you were in, in a private school, mm-hmm. you know, full of rich white people, and that's every, you're getting that from all angles mm-hmm. as a young black child. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this uh, it's so bonkers to me. This uh, these how stupid people are. And um, how they really just can't think about these things in any other way, you know. But here's the point. Here's the point of this, though. The point of this article, the thing, the reason I wanted to bring this up, mm-hmm. is because the thing to do is to educate the future people, right? We gotta. I think we need to shift focus away from trying to convince people like this that they're racist. You know what I mean? The, these people. It's a it's a waste of our breath and our yeah. energy to try and convince these people um, that they're wrong. Uh, not you know obviously we uh, trying to uh, push racial equality. We need to do that in all ways possible, right? But one of those one of the ways in which it's not possible is convincing old racist people, <laughs> you know, yeah, and just... arguing with them. So the best thing we can do is just let them all waste their breath and work to educate 
the future children and you know um and and, and vocally oppose bullshit legislation like this mm-hmm. crit- all this critical race theory shit right but but there it, it needs kind of mitigate the time wasted on the dumbasses <laughs> you know what i'm yeah. saying because uh, they're it just not going to get it. They're just not going to get it. No. And they never will. And that's okay. Just let them be stupid and we'll, we'll grow the world and they can, you know, yeah. toil away and continue to just embarrass themselves. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll be living in the future, man. <laughs> they can stay in the past. All right. That's it. <laughs> it's almost five o'clock. You've been listening to I'm Not Yelling with Kyle Wall and my wife, Chelsea, uh, live on EntropyFM.com. We'll be here next Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time. And uh, I got I added I'm Not Yelling to my website finally. So you can find all the links on KyleWall.biz to subscribe to the podcast. Thank you to Hot Mom for this song that I'm using as my theme. It's white by Hot Mom is one word. And thank you to my wife. Thank you, wife. You're welcome, husband. And thank you. <laughs> you <laughs> didn't yell the whole time. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, and thank you to people that listen. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>